If there's ever a time where we needed to pull together as believers of Christ and, and unite and try to strengthen and make the world a better place, it's now. Mm-hmm. And that, that sounds like he's yeah. preaching our message. <laughs> there's one body, one church, one spirit, one hope. The realities of the faith, the ra- realities that unify us are already there. Christ praying for unity. What should we be praying for? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the one prayer request of Jesus. Think about it in the Bible that we actually have a say in whether or not it comes to fruition or not. I think in what God has done in you guys in uh, in this podcast and the, the multitude of folks that you're reaching, the diversity, whatever God intended when he's, when you started this, he's able to bring it to completion. Hey everybody, welcome to the Whole Church Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Joshua Knoll, here with the other co-host, DJ Tiberius Juan Blackwell. Hello. Yeah, and um, before we do anything, actually... How about instead of having an episode, what we're going to do is we're going to just list all of the reasons we love our patrons. Everybody over on Patreon, this episode is just for you. Uh, TJ, could you read the list, please? All right. Um, most of you are my family or his family. Uh, so that's most of the reasons. Or Russell. <laughs> uh, Russell. Yeah. This episode is uh, dedicated to Russell Gentry. You know, technically... He gives enough on there that we are supposed to do that every time. He's a sponsor. Mm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, what we're actually going to talk about today is um, Russell and also uh, gender roles in the church. Uh, specifically, we're going to look at uh, Genesis 21 and Acts 18 and a few other things. Uh, talk to our think tank. It's really going to be a, a packed episode, and we know everyone's going to love it. No one has ever had a problem with two cis white males talking about female rights in the church, so this will be great. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, that being said, uh, we're going to review some of our audience engagement before we move on, uh, and all I'm going to say is that Lance Skipper really liked our episode with Dr. Greg Allison. It was episode 91. I felt very honored that he reached out and spoke to me, and uh, I always... I always love when people talk to me personally and say that they like something. And he shared it on his Facebook, so we encourage other people to do that. Uh, Lance, thank you. We appreciate you. We love Lance. Yeah. He's been on an episode before, too. Mm-hmm. It's like loving people talk. Ironic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so today's silly question, TJ. Um, it, it's going to be one of those deep ones. Why did the chicken cross the road? So, uh, because of uh, industrialization... And urbanization, uh, roads have become a lot more abundant. <laughs> Chickens don't really do a lot but walk, so. <laughs> so they were left without a choice, basically? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. That's that's a solid reason. Um, the reason I had today's silly question was so that I could tell people that once upon a time, we saw a chicken cross a road, and it was while we were in the Bojangles parking lot, and it was running away from Bojangles. And it was quite amusing. That's pretty funny. Yeah, it was a good good scene. Right. Yeah. All right. So uh, today we're continuing our Dividing Scripture series, which you may have noticed since we do not have a guest. Uh, it's If you haven't listened before, we it's pretty much just a series we do where we break down some of the, the more controversial verses in the Bible and uh, try to find out how we can talk about it or, you know, join over it to emphasize unity. And, you know, whether or not agreeing over the verse is a big problem. Uh, that being said, uh, we are going to start with having Joshua defend his own opinion against some of our think tanks on why we are stopping to talk about Genesis 21. Yeah. Um, 
I, I was told by a couple of people in our think tank that uh, this is a bad verse to talk about complementarianism and egalitarianism. And uh, they're right. But I still want to do it on this verse. Uh, particularly, I feel like we've heard this conversation in certain passages that one side likes. We'll talk about, like, complementarians are going to talk about 1 Timothy 2 till they're red in the face. Egalitarians are going to talk about Galatians 3 until they're red in the face. And we've all heard those, the good scriptures on these topics talked about so much that I feel like it's been overdone. And it's hard to look at it objectively when we've been hearing those verses interpreted the same way for so long. So I like looking at more unique passages concerning this. And Genesis 21 is a unique passage to say the least. So, um, yeah, we're going to be talking about that. We're going to talk about uh, some other passages you don't hear a lot about. The Great Commission. Not a lot of people put that in perspective of ginger rolls. We're going to talk about that. And then Acts 18, which some of you might not even know the story of Aquila and Priscilla. So that'll be fun. Um. So, TJ, uh, Genesis 21, do you think you could uh, summarize it in 30 seconds? Yeah. So, uh, wait, I, I want to make this fun. How about instead of doing it under 30 seconds, do it as close to 30 seconds as you can. Uh, yeah, I was just going to do it really fast. I think this is more fun, though. I disagree. So, okay. uh, Genesis 21 is the, is the story of Hagar bearing Isaac to Abraham. Uh, I might just... Ishmael. I might just say nothing until it gets closer to 30 <laughs> seconds, but... Basically, uh, you know, he has Ishmael and... Isaac. Isaac. His sons, uh, Ishmael's mom, uh, is not part of the story yet. But anyway, uh, Ishmael bullies Isaac or whatever. Uh, Hagar's like, mm, that's not cool. Get them out of here. Sarah. Not Hagar. I got them mixed up. <laughs> so you keep getting them backwards. It's been more than 30 seconds. Can I just do it the way I wanted to do it now? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so Sarah bears Isaac to Abraham. Uh, Ishmael, one of Abraham's other sons, bullies Isaac, and Sarah's like, no, that's not cool, get them out of here. And he's like, oh, okay, sure, whatever. Uh, he's worried about them, he gives them food and water, sends Hagar and Ishmael out of the out of the, out of their homestead, or, I guess, and uh, they almost thirst to death, and God's like, hey, open your eyes, there's a well here, I'm gonna take care of you, your son will have his own country, yada yada. Yeah. Mm hmm that's that's pretty much what happens in Genesis 21. <laughs> yeah, I mean, checks out. Right. Yeah. Uh, so how does this impact the debate on gender roles? So one thing, because you were doing a 30-second summary that you didn't say, was Abraham didn't want to kick his oldest son Ishmael and Hagar out. But he asked God about it. God was like, hey, do what your wife said. Right. Yeah. He says, uh, do it. I will take care of them. Yeah, or they are yours. Like you said, in your, I think it was a pretty good summary. Uh, God did take care of them, mm. which pretty important. Um, the the reason this impacts our idea of gender roles is a lot of times in the New Testament when we look at the letters, we're giving a this is the ideal way things should work in a perfect world. And what you see with Abraham and Sarah, the same reason why people didn't want to use this is because it is messy. The only reason Hagar and Ishmael exist is because Abram didn't listen to God, right? God said, hey, I'm going to give you a son. And he was like, well, Sarah's too old, so I guess I'll just, uh, I have a slave. And uh, 
y'all can fill in the blanks there, but that, that's not what God wanted. So that was not the son God promised. And yet, in that messy situation, naturally, Sarah got jealous. And God still made a way. Mm-hmm. It wasn't his perfect way. It wasn't his ideal way, but he made a way. And God commanded that Abram submit to Sarah's idea. Now, this could be just taken as that's sin. Thus, it doesn't actually relate to the story, which is what a lot of complementarians will say. Again, we're not going to give our views, but um, that's what most of them say. A lot of egalitarians can look at this and say, we'll see in an, an imperfect world, we, we need to submit to one another so that we can accomplish God's will together, which is kind of what happens in that story. Mm-hmm. And Abraham was 100 when Isaac was born, so yeah, they really weren't <laughs> expecting another child, but yeah, that's that's why. God kept saying it, and they were like, yeah. Um, so that being said, that's one unique story. Uh, we also were going to talk about the Great Commission. So I want to talk about uh, how the Catholic Church, which is complementarian, which uh, for those who don't know, complementarian is just the idea that men and women complement each other, thus complementarian, but that the man is supposed to be the head of the house, but they're still equal. We've talked about it on other episodes. We will talk about it again. Hang in there. Uh, the Catholic Church is complementarian. Because it builds on tradition, and that's what tradition has said for a very long time. Um, Although, there's different things with that. Um, The Catholic Church somewhat pulled from St. Jerome. We'll talk about that later. But it also pulled from different ideas, specifically of Jesus. It wasn't like they were only pulling from the verses uh, that Paul wrote that we all hear about. But they also said, okay, when Jesus sent the disciples out two by two, uh, anybody else notice he didn't send a woman? Uh, they said, uh, you know, when God gave, when Jesus gave the Great Commission, he gave it to his male disciples. When he picked his 12 disciples, he did not pick a woman. And they used that to say, so ordination should be for men because that's the way Jesus did it. So we're going to do it that way. So uh, what do you think about that, DJ? Does that sound like that holds up? I, I mean, I understand why they would think that because, you know, we're supposed to be like God. Yeah. But we aren't. Well, also, Jesus did live in a different context, and I feel like that's sort of like mm-hmm. a lot of. It's one of those where if it doesn't say it explicitly, it's still hard to say, like, you know, Jesus never drank Coca-Cola. That does not mean that it's a sin to drink Coca-Cola. And technically, we don't know if he did or not. Also, it he might could've. be a sin to drink Coca-Cola. Yeah. I hope not. I don't think it is. Um. Okay, so the other side of that, a lot of people also point to things that Jesus did that kind of suggest that it should be. This is like the Christocentric argument for women being preachers. Um, Who was the first people who heard the gospel, who saw the gospel, because they saw that Jesus rose, heard it from an angel, and then were sent out to teach it? Two women. Um, Christ always had women with him when he was doing his ministries. And, And that's not for naught. Um, and, and what's interesting is the Catholic Church specifically, since we're talking about that, they'll have nuns teach. They're okay with the nuns teaching, but they're not okay with them doing the sacraments. And they're not okay with them being like head pastors or anything like that. They're priests, which is where you have nuns and you have priests, and they're two separate things. Um, I heard recently, uh, my Uncle Jerry, you've met Jerry. Yeah. Allie's dad. Allie's been on the podcast before. Um yeah, so he he's part of the Catholic Church, and he was telling me a lot of nuns feel like they should be able to be priests. And it's weird because a lot of Catholics growing up in Catholic school are being taught by women, the nuns, 
and then they go to the Catholic Church, and the Catholic tradition says, no, no, that's not right. So, I mean, so it's kind of a weird tension there. Um, how do you feel about that, DJ? Catholics. <laughs> that, that's how you feel about that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that doesn't tell me anything. It, yeah. Okay, so uh, next topic. <laughs> Could you summarize Acts 18 in 30 seconds, please? Uh, I can attempt it. Acts 18 is 28 verses long. I'm just going to like... I don't know how well you guys can see that, but... It, <laughs> uh, for those listening, he's showing his phone. Uh, it, it's pretty long. Uh, I can try. <laughs> just, to, just, just give it the old so college. The, basically, the most basic way it can be said. Uh, Paul goes to Corinth from Athens. Uh to, you know, to preach. Uh, he meets uh, a dude named Aquila and his wife Priscilla, uh, two Italian Jews. And Paul goes to them. They were tent makers. Like, hey, you, you know, I want to talk about God. And they're like, yeah. And the rest of it is like, well, they went from here to there. Uh, Paul let them preach at these places, let them lead these churches. And uh, at the end, it goes, it talks about Priscilla and Aquila, uh, correcting a man named Apollos is uh, preaching on the word of God. You definitely included a lot more details than I would have. You're much better at summarizing things. Hey guys, we just wanted to take a quick break to tell you a few ways that you can support us, the whole church podcast, your favorite church unity podcast. Yeah, so you can donate to our Cash App using the tag that's in the show notes. You can follow us on patreon.com forward slash the whole church podcast. You can subscribe to our podcast wherever great podcasts are found. You can rate this show on Apple Podcast or Podchaser. You can sign up for our newsletter by going to our website or by emailing us at thewholechurch at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or you could share this episode on your own social media. Especially that last one. Uh, News travels fastest by word of mouth, which, you know, since the internet has been invented is much, much faster than it used to be and ridiculously helpful. So please just, you know, slap this episode up on your socials. You think it'd be more or less helpful if they went to their neighbor's house and mentioned it also? Probably less. Okay. Depends on how friendly your neighbors are. Uh, should we get back to the show? Yeah. Um, so how does, how does that impact unity? Or not unity, unity in general. <laughs> How does that impact um, this debate on gender roles? Uh, well, it's... I would say most people trust Paul's word on things. And if Paul was willing to let a woman preach, or a woman speak, spread the word of God, and correct others who are doing it poorly, that there's something there, you know? Yeah. Now, what about those who would say that he was only okay with that because she was under her husband's leadership. They were doing it together. Well, uh, I can't speak to those people. Not literally. I just can't speak to that <laughs> issue uh, because I wasn't there. Because, you know, maybe. Maybe. They, they were definitely doing it as a couple. And it seemed like a team thing. At the very least, I got to say, I like them. Like, as characters. Yeah. If they were to make a TV show, I'd probably watch it. Yeah. Just two tent makers meet another tent maker and they're like, uh, cross-country road trip? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's a cool story. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a cool story. Um, there's there's a lot more in there about 
you know, facing adversity in these places, but. Yeah, and, and there there are just there's a lot of examples of the Bible kind of pushing the boundaries of what women can do because in that culture, a lot of that's unheard of, right? A man treating his wife as an equal and then going out doing ministry together. If you were to read that story when it came out, actually mind boggling. No, when it came out, when yeah. it dropped, <laughs> yeah, when, when the story first dropped, yeah, yeah. But uh, hit iTunes, right. Uh, so next, uh, we wanted to talk about Romans sixteen seven. Uh, I believe you had something to say about uh, Junia. Yeah, yeah. Um, she's only mentioned once in the Bible, mm-hmm. but this is this is what's interesting. Uh, Paul lists her as an apostle. He says, "Yeah, these other apostles, uh, a guy whose name I don't remember, and Junia, which the only reason we remember Junia is because that is the subject of much debate. Because if Paul is listing her as an apostle, that means she is ordained." Which kind of, that that breaks the whole argument right there. I mean, ordained woman, problem solved, next. Right. But I want to say it was like the 16th century or something. Hundreds of years later, someone goes, I'm pretty sure that was supposed to be Junius. That's a guy's name. <laughs> and um, it's funny, but it's not. There, there was, I, I think it was like around the 5th century. There, there was one thing we found where someone uses the name Junius instead. So maybe it was a guy. It's possible. Most scholars you talk to will say, you know, that, that was a woman. Right. It was an apostle. Which it, it really, it's understandable if you look at uh, archaeological, you know, uh, writing, restoration. Because yeah. a lot of it is destroyed and, you know, there definitely are letters missing. It's harder when those letters are at the end of words. But well, and if you've ever seen a really old piece of paper and you've seen how ink fades. No. If you've ever actually yeah. seen a picture of the Dead Sea Scrolls. It's amazing. It's amazing. Anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, that being said, uh, e- even some of the scholars who will say that was definitely a woman he was talking about will still say he wasn't saying that women should be ordained. He was just including her as like the original members of the Jesus squad, like an original Avenger kind of deal. Sidekick. Yeah. That's sort of their argument. So there, there is, there are still both sides of this. We're not saying one side is right or not. These are just a few stories that uh, Junia is not a lot, but not a lot of people have heard of her. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, Aquila and Priscilla, people who are egalitarian, have heard the name. They know to say that to say there was a woman preacher, but they probably couldn't tell you where to find her. Um, they, these just aren't people that are usually talked about. And I think it's important that we look at these stories and really think about this thing as broad as possible. Right. Uh, so then we wanted to move on to our think tank segment. And if you are new to the series, uh, our think tank segment, we just talk about what our think tank Thanks. said. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's about 30 church leaders, uh, church leader associates, at least. Uh, and we asked them these questions and we did let the females in the group know. Uh, we especially wanted to hear their thought on this because uh, you, you can get a dude's opinion on this. Anytime, <laughs> whenever you want. Uh, and, you know, it's harder to get women to speak up in a group that is dominated by men. Yeah. Well, especially when this conversation has been dominated by men for so long. Right. Yeah. So I just wanted to thank them for making this significantly better. Yeah. Well, you know, he- hearing a guy say, no, no, women don't need to preach. I mean, that that doesn't really say much. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but we, we do have women on both sides in our think tank, which is really fascinating. Um, so first thing we asked was, what are your views on gender? We just kept real simple. Uh, we gave them the options of complementarian, which we mentioned before. That's just the rule that they're equal, but man is the head. Uh, egalitarian, which is just the view that they're perfectly equal in every way and are meant to submit one to another. And then we gave other with the option to just kind of explain with their view. So we had two people who voted complementarian. One person voted egalitarian and one person voted other. Which I think tank contains about 30 people. And as TJ likes to point out, that not a lot of them are voting. Yeah, the, the voting cap really is like six. <laughs> yeah, I think we've the, the most votes we've had on one is six. Oh, oh, we get more on one of these, I think. But anyway, uh, the uh, the egalitarian vote was from our friend Brianna Matthews. Uh, she told us the bigger question needs to be how we view how our view leads us to treat women, and claims it is hard to be complementarian and not treat women as less than man. Uh, I would like to. She is egalitarian. Clarify. She didn't vote at all. Ah. I think the egalitarian was Pastor Will Rose, but I'm not sure. Yeah, so it's one of those things, you know, people will weigh in, but they they just won't click one of the options. And then a lot of people click an option, but don't weigh in. <laughs> All right. Uh, we had uh, Pastor Marie Proctor, who has been on our show before, and we've been on hers, uh, from Kogop, is <laughs> added that uh, both men and women participate in a power struggle, suggesting the church should all submit, submit to one another. Which, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Pastor Dolores Matthews, uh, Pastor Marie Proctor's co-host on their podcast that we were on and they were on. I heard no, Pastors of a Dying Church. Pastors of a Dying Church. Uh, also from Koga. Uh, she just said shalom and sent her love. Yeah. Yeah. Good, mm -hmm. good person. Oh, uh, yeah. We love, we love Dolores. <laughs> uh, Joshua and Brianna then continued the conversation discussing the tension in Paul's own writings in uh, Galatians 3 and 1 Timothy 2. Uh, Brianna said she's okay with not knowing why Paul wrote that he what wrote what he did, as long as we all try to reflect the spirit of Christ. Which she said that in the context is uh, Galatians three says there's no man or woman, there's no anything, there's no distinction in the church. First Timothy two, written by the same guy, says yeah, women aren't allowed to speak at church. Mm -hmm. Which is why this argument exists because the same guy wrote both of those things, and we're still trying to figure out why. Um, so the next thing we asked, we were a little bit more specific. We asked if it's biblically okay to have women pastors. Uh, four people said it's okay, completely okay. Uh, two people voted other. And one person voted that women should only teach other women and children. And one person voted just simply no. Mm -hmm. Everyone's always afraid to just say no when it's one of those touchy issues. No wasn't even an option because I didn't think anyone would do that. Yeah. So. But. Boldness right there. Right. Uh, first, we want to talk about uh, Samantha Merritt, who is, you know, friend of our Niles' wife. Yeah. Uh, Niles has been on the show. Uh, she is complementarian. She thinks that women should be able to teach even men about the Bible, uh, but not as a pastor or a spiritual leader. Uh, she said that she can have unity with women pastors, but would be very uncomfortable listening to them preach, which is, I think, fairly common. Yeah. Yeah, most complementarians are, are around there. They're not, women should never be able to teach or anything. Most of them are, yeah. Right. Uh, Niles, Samantha's husband, uh, Niles Merritt, compared women, <laughs> uh, compared just, women pastors. I can't not laugh when you're doing that face. It's, it's, it's pretty funny. Uh, compared women pastors to fine china being used for every meal. 
he doesn't think women were meant for regular service and wear and the wear and tear of weekly ministry, but rather they are meant to be treated with care and honor. It's like it's yeah. something to be prized when a, a female pastor is speaking. Yeah. Like uh, it's just, they're meant for different roles mm -hmm. preaching, basically. Just like Fine China isn't meant for when you grab McDonald's. Mm -hmm. I think that was his exact analogy. But yeah, uh, William Lovett, friend of the show, uh, he said that women should only teach other women and children. Uh, he listed scripture to support his stance. He listed a bunch of scripture. He listed First uh, Timothy two, Isaiah three twelve, Titus one, First Peter three, and Titus two three. Then uh, when he asked. He then asked uh, why people look down on just teaching women and children, to which Brianna Matthews said it was the just part that was the problem. They then both debated the qualifications of a preacher, him saying, see, the qualifications includes men, includes all these other things, mm -hmm. and kind of went back and forth for a while before they decided to peacefully not agree. Right. Yeah. Which is usually how this kind of thing goes. Yeah. Very stubborn. Yeah. As a, as a race. Uh, then uh, Professor Chris Moreland of the Catholic Church has been on the show before, and he's going to be back on to talk about women in religion and what the Catholic Church believes at the end of August. Mm -hmm. so. I meant the human race, by the way, not yeah. any particular race within the human race. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to put that out there just in case someone... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Professor Moreland, he explained that the Catholic and Orthodox churches don't have women priests because they follow an, an apostolic tradition. I, I don't know why I always have such a hard time with that word. I don't know. Uh, but he thinks if a denomination does allow there to be women priests, that there shouldn't be any a problem acknowledging those pastors and working with the church for the better good of uh, the whole church, if you will. So that was kind of a cool answer. Uh, Reverend Steve Lonklow, uh, Anglican chaplain, uh, complementarian, uh, he said he'd be comfortable learning from a woman preaching, but does not believe a woman should administer ordained sacraments. So he went into a lot of like the different ordained offices of the church compared to what it means to be a pastor, which is just to shepherd people. But yeah, that was, that was his thing. All right. And if you hadn't listened to his episode, he has been through a lot of churches. So he has kind of that uh, multi-denominational experience. Uh, and the, the last thing we asked him, at least the last thing we asked him that we're including, uh, I don't really check the group. I don't vote. Uh <laughs> Finally, uh, we asked if one can separate their views on women's ordination from their view on gender roles in the home. Uh, three said no. Two said other. And one said yes. Uh, Brianna Matthews said her, her experience was that there was less power struggle in the churches she has attended that were led by women uh, as opposed to men. Uh, she also suggested we all check out the Rachel Held Evans, or check out Rachel Held Evans and her works on the biblical role of women in the ministry. Uh, William Lovett and Niles Merritt explained that how a man leads at home is brought into how he leads in the church. Uh, so it's kind of, you know, yeah. they correlate at the least. Well, which I think that's the thing in Titus. Paul says, hey, look at how a man leads at home. Then you'll know if he could be a pastor or not. Right. Uh, Pastor Will Rose, uh, noted Lutheran, uh, noted because he was on the show, of course, yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, spoke to us in a separate email explaining his view. Uh, he believes the Bible contains uh, capital T truth, but was written at a specific time in a specific culture. Uh, 2,000 years ago when this was written, women couldn't get educated. Uh, today, it seems crazy to him to say his wife with a PhD cannot teach in the church. 
He explains that throughout the Bible, women are pushing boundaries of their time with many examples. And finally, he pointed to the prophetess Anna, Anna in Luke 2, 36-38 and Joel 2, 28, which said women will prophesy. He claims that God's people were always pushing the bond, and our question today should be, how is God calling us to be faithful today? So, a lot of you get a lot of responses. <laughs> yeah, this from, was a big topic from these questions. <laughs> uh, but that is it for our think tank coverage. Uh, now, we wanted to look at a couple of church leaders throughout history to help add perspective uh, to each of our viewpoints. Yeah, and we're not going to take too long on this, but it is important to know what the church has believed and what the church does believe before we can discuss if unity is possible. Um, so many early church leaders said that women shouldn't preach, uh, which includes Irenaeus, Tertullian, Hippolytus, Epiphanius, John Chrysostom, and Augustine. I should have had TJ read the names. Uh, St. Clement of Rome, who is a early church father, like really early, like right after Paul, kind of early. Actually, I think he was still born during the time of Jesus, but Anyway, uh, it's kind of hard to distinguish where he stands, sort of like Paul. Uh, he writes against the ordination of women, but he also writes pretty heavily that the church's goal is for men and women to see each other as just one body of the church. For he's, I think the quote is something like, for a man to look at a woman and not see a woman, and for a woman to look at a man and not see a man, but to see Christ's body. Um, St. Jerome, who's a 4th and 5th century, so a couple hundred years later, uh, he... I usually like his stuff. I do not like his stuff on this. He's pretty much a misogynist. <laughs> um, he writes pretty heavily refusing pretty much all women's rights, saying that men are superior. Um, and when he, he's the one who wrote the, the first Latin translation of the Bible, what we call the Vulgate, which is where the whole argument with him and Augustine about what should be canon came in. But that's for other podcasts. Mm -hmm. um, when he did that, he, when he would translate stories like a, uh, Joseph running away from Potiphar's wife, right? Uh, the story says she tried to get him. He said no. His version is she tried to seduce him heavily. He refused being a holy man and added a bunch of words. And he did that in a lot of places to kind of stress that, you know, women were evil to him. Uh, he also just didn't believe in marriage and said that two was an evil number. Um, I like a lot of his stuff. None of it's this stuff. Mm -hmm. Not a big fan of any of that. Right. Thomas Aquinas also wrote on the superiority of men. Yeah, we hate Thomas Aquinas. <laughs> okay, uh, the thing is, uh, and we're not we're not taking a side, but we will say we're against misogyny. We think women should be treated equally. We're also against misinjury. Yeah, but uh, we won't record. say whether we're complementarian or egalitarian in, in this episode. I don't even know. <laughs> well, that's that's pretty honest. Um. So Calvin and Arminian, uh, founders of both, well, Arminian was a lot later than Calvin, but you know, early Reformation kind of time, trying to figure out what does the Protestant church believe that's different than the Catholic church. Calvin kind of reaffirms all the Catholic doctrine of um, complementarian stuff. Ar Arminian was one of the first Protestant leaders to kind of reach out and be like, what, what if this part where it says submit to one another was a thing? What if in Genesis 1, it was important that Eve came from the side instead of the foot or the head? Um, and he kind of brought in more of that viewpoint. Not that that viewpoint didn't already exist, just brought in more of it. And that's when we kind of see the two sides forming more concretely, which was like 15, 1600s. Mm -hmm. Right. And then the, the modern era. And when I say that, I mean like 
1970s up a lot of people mean like the 1600s that doesn't make any sense to me but uh pope francis recently opened up new roles in the catholic mass for women Uh, i don't know if we've told you guys this but after you know the end of season two we plan to have pope francis on (laughs) if francis chan ever gets to us for the end of season one but uh, thanks to francis women can now serve the altar and can read the scripture for mass which is a pretty big deal after 2,000 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very, very big changes from Pope Francis. Oh, yeah. Um, and then a, a famous Protestant woman leader, uh, Beth Moore, who has a long time pushed uh, complementarian views, was part of the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, in the last few months, she left the Southern Baptist Convention, actually mostly because of race things, but also some other things. Um, anyway, so she left the Southern Baptist Convention and is now apologizing for her role in pushing the complementarian agenda. Now, naturally, when she said that, people said, oh, so you're egalitarian now? She's just like, um, yeah, I'm I'm not going to humor that. I'm just apologizing for what I pushed and allowed, what culture I allowed to happen in the Southern Baptist Convention is her view. Not, you know, we don't know the Southern Baptist Convention's culture because we're not part of it. That's just her view. Right. And... Uh- Her problem was that it was being elevated to a first-tier issue. Uh, She said, I'm not going to be pushed into either category right now because that's not my point. My point is that it has taken on the importance of a first-tier doctrine. You know, huge shout-out to her for using our tier system. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, big-time fan of the show. Uh, She almost definitely never heard our show. Right. Maybe. That's possible. Uh, So... You know, those were just some of the the viewpoints we thought would be most prevalent to bring up from, you know, the more recognizable leaders of the past. Uh, We hope it has helped us all better understand one another's perspective and come together in unity closer than ever before. Uh, What tier do we place these issues in the church? (sighs) Not first. Yeah. So, so, you know, I like to put everything in in all of the tiers Mm -hmm. and just go through it because I, I just have a hard time giving a solid answer to that question. Right. Um, I will say one thing is first tier in all of this, and that will be if you are being misogynist, if you are mistreating women in any way, I have a hard time saying that that person can be a fellow brother in Christ. You, you can't abuse your wife and be a Christian. That's just not a thing. Um, and when it gets to second and third tier issues, I can see if you have a woman as your pastor, I can see that being a second tier issue. If you don't believe that women should be in that role, you've sat under her, you've tried to learn from her, and it's just bothering your spirit, maybe go to a different church. Right. I don't think anything's wrong with that. I'll still call you my brother or sister in Christ. If you sit under a woman pastor or if you don't. Um, and then when it gets third tier is if you don't sit under a woman pastor, all of your views on this really shouldn't affect your unity with other believers at all. Right. Like, oh, good for you. Not my problem. Cool. I don't think that. Let's listen to Paul speak. <laughs> yeah. Shout out Paul Johnson. He's probably not listening to this. My first pastor, I think. First one I remember. Funny stuff. So, uh, DJ, what is, from all of this, what is something practical that our listeners can take away, can go do, that would help? maintain the unity of the church so as far as things to take away from the episode uh, probably uh, 
listen to women at the very least uh if you are willing to take a more active uh combative stance into the issue uh try to find a female pastor and just listen to one of their messages or get a, a woman you know to lead a devotion and see if, how you like that uh but really it's it's a complicated issue yeah i've been I talking about like, it for a couple thousand years i feel like it's hard to give like a generic challenge for this yeah um how about could you challenge someone from both sides to our complementarian listener challenge them what's something they can do Probably what you just said, I guess. Yeah, that. So what about for our egalitarian listener who who thinks, you know, it's not a problem at all? What's something we could challenge them to help them understand the complementarian view maybe a little bit better? Uh, really, the only thing I can think of is work on your sense of empathy. I know that's, yeah. without putting yourself in their shoes, it's really hard to see why someone would think that. Yeah, uh, for the most part, you can just Google which denominations are hard one side or the other. I would say just... Call a pastor of a church that disagrees with your church on this issue. Ask him. And actually talk to him. Ask questions. Be like, okay, well, what about this? Most pastors are more than willing to talk to you. Right. Something I learned from doing this podcast. Pastors love to talk. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what, what would change if, if people did all of what we just said? Well, I think uh, we would see a general... Uh, I can't remember the word I wanted to use, but... Patty kick? <laughs> yeah. Plato? <laughs> But uh, I think our views would come closer together. Uh, you set your pride aside and listen to the viewpoints of other people. Uh, we'd probably see more female pastors in the church eventually. Uh, but that would be after a, you know, a huge push. Uh, women can preach in our denomination. Yeah. Um, see, what I would say is, even, even if you know, no one changes... The views on either side, right? Let's say we keep half and half. Half people are still complementary and half people are egalitarian, whatever. I think more people would be open to the church. Mm -hmm. If you saw that those who are complementarian, you know, specifically, if we saw that they were more willing to participate with those who are big into, you know, egalitarian doctrines, I think the world would see that as the church being more open than it is now. Right now, I think combating over this, not that it's it, it's not important to find the truth, but having such a combative spirit, I think, pushes people away. Right. Uh, I definitely, probably most of the effect would be from outside the church, because, uh, you know, a lot of people take problem with that misogyny that they associate with the church. So if we could get that out of and the way, that would be pretty great. not all are misogynists. Right. Uh, yeah. Of course. But it is associated with people who aren't in the church and don't understand the issues it's just oh the church hates women that's mostly untrue yeah especially our church i hope <laughs> yeah but uh yeah thank you all for listening uh we want to get into our god moment now yeah. uh, which is the last real part of the show we do uh and the god moment is just a moment in our lives recently where we see a, a, a chance to worship or a good godly moment blessings challenges all that good stuff, and I always make Josh go first. Just because. Yeah. Uh, mine's going to be uh, this last weekend. I went to my cousin's graduation party. Uh, shout out to Rachel, who's not listening. Um, <laughs> my uncle Jerry was there. Me and him had a, a pretty big conversation about our podcast in the Catholic Church and some of the work he does with the Catholic Church. And um, 
Oh, no. It was cool having a meaningful discussion with someone who doesn't agree with me on everything. And uh, we do that a lot, but it's always nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Uh, we actually have no similar viewpoints uh, <laughs> on any of these issues. We disagree absolutely. Yeah, if you think you figured out what we believe, uh, just know that whatever the one you thought you figured right. out, <laughs> the other one disagrees. Uh, but uh, my God moment, uh, I recently got the chance to work for uh, Camp Hickory Hills and Dixon, Tennessee uh, because of Lance Skipper. Shout out Lance. This is the Lance episode. Yeah. Uh, but uh, they were they needed a cabin leader and you know Lance is speaking at the camp and the director just asked him if he knew anyone he's like yeah I know a guy so Lance called me I was like I'd love to do it so I'm gonna drive six and a half hours with Lance <laughs> to work at a camp in Dixon Tennessee where it'll probably be like 94 degrees every day That's pretty, I mean it'll uh, be cooler than here at least I doubt it I yeah. know uh, I looked at yeah. the weather patterns and, oh. oh yeah oh that's that's fun but uh, but i you know super blessed to get that opportunity i love camp so and they're doing like a full camp at six days yeah so uh super grateful for that opportunity thanks god also shout out patrick erickson uh director of the camp i told him i had a podcast and if i convince him to listen i'm gonna make him listen to this one uh good choice <laughs> But uh, anyway, if you enjoyed this episode, uh, please consider sharing it with a friend or an enemy. Uh, If you do have enemies, that is. Uh, uh, It helps us a lot. Best way we can grow. And uh, if you just really hated some of what we said, uh, (laughs) show it to a lot of people who feel the same way. Please and thank you. Also, let us know. (laughs) Yeah, let us know. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. Sort of. I do better. Uh, anyway, uh, so listen to the rest of our dividing. You can listen to the rest of our dividing scripture series um, down below, most likely, uh, in the description. We have all kinds of notes in there, and uh, one of them is just going to say, hey, listen to the rest of the dividing scripture series with this link. So use that link, and you can listen to the rest. Right. So some future guests we have for the show, uh, Dr. Michael Heiser, the author of Unseen Realms and host of the Naked Bible podcast. Return guest, Pastor Chris Galloway. I had to say that without saying he was a guest pastor. Uh, <laughs> Forum Mennonite and Christian Live Close, uh, Gloria Gaudron. And, uh, of course, at the end of season one, we will have Francis Chan. Yeah, once mm-hmm. he finally agrees. Uh, yeah, as yeah. soon as we get Francis Chan. Yeah. Season one we'll, is over. We're working on it. Doing our best. So, thank you so much for listening, especially if you listen to this point. If you want to listen to the only other thing we do in the show, head on over to Patreon and throw us a couple dollars. Ba da ba ba da ba ba.